And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds, which you can listen to every weekday afternoon on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody having a wonderful weekend. Getting closer and closer to this pandemic coming to an end. College football, actually, uh, looks like as of right now, don't want to jump to any conclusions, but as of right now, it at least looks like it's kind of back on track to have an actual season starting in early September. But we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place, but obviously with the NCAA approving everybody to start having voluntary workouts starting June 1st, it's a pretty good, pretty good bit of news. So we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, I, I had uh, Nikki Chavanel on earlier this week to kind of deviate from what we've been normally doing in the content. She's she's really great, and she's done a really great job, and I look forward to having her on the podcast a lot more often. But I want, did want to get back to, uh, you know, talking about the biggest what-ifs in program history. And the what-if that I want to do today is something that actually I thought about doing earlier but one of you on Twitter actually got after me and uh, wanted to know about it, so it kind of inspired me to do a little more research and everything uh, dealing with football, because I think football is kind of the main one. I thought about maybe going back and, and looking at it from the basketball perspective as far as, you know, what what if uh, Nolan Richardson and Frank Broyles got along, or what if uh, Bill Self was hired instead of Stan Heath? It, you know, we could go into that. Uh, but this one's kind of one that was so controversial at the time, and I think there's still some controversy surrounding it, but it kind of died down a little bit. And so we can discuss it today dealing with uh, the simple question of what if Houston Nutt and Gus Malzahn got along? It's as simple as that. Uh, what if it all worked out when Gus Malzahn was the offensive coordinator of Arkansas and Houston Nutt him and him saw eye to eye, they worked more together they uh, built something, they trusted each other, and they were able to uh, do some things that really made the program better. And, uh, you know, when I started thinking about it, I have very strong opinions on this matter. And if you've listened to this podcast or if you know uh, who I am as far as on Twitter or have listened to any of my shows, you know that I don't have a lot of respect for Houston Nutt. But that being said, I don't have a whole, whole lot of respect for Gus Malzahn either. So, I think that, honestly, if you're going to look at it from a very non-biased perspective, if you don't really have respect for either one of them, I feel like you can speak pretty objectively on it. And so that's really what I find to be interesting since oh, this about, geez, 15 years ago, about 14 years ago, maybe somewhere in there. I know we're uh, kind of getting ahead of it a little bit, but still, I look back on that whole ordeal, and it's sad. I think that that's the only way I can really sum it up in just saying it's sad. It is sad that Houston Nutt and Gus Malzahn didn't work out. It is sad in the fact that they had something so great. They had something that was so like perfect as far as a setup, as far as a, a foundation, uh, a great partnership that could have really had great implications for not only the present of when they were as coaches, but also for the future. They had it all. And I'll never forget, uh, when Malzahn got hired, the excitement level for Razorback football went through the roof. It really did. Because you were coming off of back-to-back -back losing seasons in 2004 and 2005. The first time ever in program history where a coach has had back-to-back -back losing seasons and kept their job. 
Houston Nut was the first one. And, you know, people can talk about some of the glory days of Houston Nut, and that's fine. But people forget about those two seasons and just how really bad those teams were, even though it was during a time really before the SEC got going. You know, Les Miles just barely entered into the mix at LSU. Nick Saban was out of the conference. Uh, Auburn had Tommy Tuberville, and that was about the biggest threat in the SEC at the time. Ole Miss was a joke. Mississippi State was a joke. Uh, Texas A&M wasn't in your conference yet. You were playing South Carolina every year, and that was right at the beginning of Steve Spurrier getting hired there. So the point is is that during that time in SEC, Mike Shula was at Alabama for crying out loud. Like You just didn't have a whole lot of challenges as far as those elite-level guys you don't feel like you can touch, kind of like what you do now. You just didn't have it back then. So, yeah, comparatively speaking, is going five and six and four and seven in this day and age so horrendous? I mean, it's still pretty bad. But back then it was even worse because you weren't playing any big-time teams in the conference. It's not like you were going up against, you know, the Bamas of Nick Sa- with Nick Saban or LSU with Ed Orgeron or any of that. You, d- you didn't have to deal with it. So you got to keep that in perspective. But, you know, it, it all happened where – they saw an opportunity, and I mean they, I'm talking about Frank Broyles and the administration, they saw an opportunity where Houston was coming off these back-to-back losing seasons, and the biggest complaint that everyone had was about the lack of creativity and innovation in the offense. The offense was it was putrid. The quarterback play was disgusting. The only thing you could rely on was the rushing attack, which was pretty good, but you've got to be more than a one-trick pony. And the way that college football was developing – quarterbacks were getting better offenses were getting more innovative and you didn't want to get left behind you had great running backs you had some a couple decent receivers but you didn't have quarterback play you didn't have enough creativity and innovation to take you to that next level so Frank Brawl's administration saw that Gus Malzahn Springdale High School football coach was developing this hurry up no huddle offense that was going to be the changing of all of college football is the next big thing he had that he had a five-star number one player in the world, high school player, and and who was a quarterback, if you could believe it, and Mitch Mustaine. You had Damian Williams. You had Ben Cleveland. You had Andrew Norman. You had a lot of great players coming out of high school. And at the time, before Gus Malzahn was hired, you didn't have any of them committed to you. None of them. The Springdale Five, as they were referred to as, they were looked at as being all five of them D1 caliber athletes. And you didn't have any of them committed to you. So Frank basically gave Nut the ultimatum. He's like, all right, well, you're going to have to go get them. You're going to hire this offensive coordinator. I guess Miles on as your offensive coordinator. And you're going to get these kids because they are the missing pieces of what we could do to really take it forward. Nut didn't want it at the time, but Malzahn wanted it, obviously, because it was the next big step for him. And then you saw the 2006 season happen. And we don't have to really dive into all the historical parts of it. Because uh, I feel like there, there's a lot to unfold there. Uh, but I believe that you, if you look back on it and you understand that this, this is a team that won 10 games, they won the SEC outright for the first time ever, uh, they got to play in the SEC championship game. You know, it, it was all really great. You had a Heisman Trophy runner-up in Darren McFadden. It, it was truly a dream season. But unfortunately... All great dreams must come to an end when you wake up from. And we'll talk about that in just a bit. But, you know, I've I've been trying, folks. I've been trying to go to the gym every day. I've been doing it. 
and I've been eating healthy, and it, it's really great. It's, it makes me feel so much better. You know, it really gives a positive attitude. But the problem that I have been running into is that when I try to eat healthy, I don't have time to cook all the foods. But luckily for all of you, I have something that is going to change your life for those of you who are trying to be like me. And I got, it's called Built Bars. They're amazing. I have an entire pack in my kitchen right now, and I eat them on the daily. And it's so great because, you know, most of these energy bars or meal bars, whatever you want to call them, when you, when you hear about them, they all sound good on paper. But once you start eating, you're like, you know, this is not really that healthy. It's supposed to be healthy. It gives me the idea of being healthy, but it's not. Built Bars are the opposite. They're very healthy for you. They have the protein that you need where they are low calorie and low sugar, but all the fiber and protein that you need to make sure that you're eating as healthy as can be. They taste great. They're soft and easy to chew. They have different flavors. It's exactly what you need. And the best thing about it is right here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, I'm offering you a deal. Go over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off of your first order. Again, promo code LOCKEDON, going to builtbar.com, $10 off. It's great. It's perfect. You want to be healthy. We all want to be healthy. It's lake season for crying out loud. It's beach season. We want to look good. So look your best and eat your best by getting some of the best protein bars around. Builtbar.com, promo code locked on, $10 off your forced order. Make sure you do it. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Okay, so what if Gus Malzahn and Houston Nutt got along is what we're talking about. And, you know, we got to look back at the end of that season in 2006, right? You have a dream season, truly. There were some uh, controversies that have happened, but you had the whole problem with the emails that got sent by Teresa Pruitt to Mitch Mustang and you know, saying horrible things to him. They were family friends of Houston Nutt. And then you had the the disconnects and the problems that were arising and of, you know, players not being happy with the things that they were told. And it was just a mess. It was truly a mess. And it all came down simply to this. Houston Nutt did not want Malzahn there because Malzahn was the young up-and-comer and he, who he was forced to hire – and they were having a great year, Arkansas was. And I think Nutt, and I, actually I believe Nutt, saw that Malzahn was getting the majority of the credit. Because as soon as he came in, he went from having back-to-back losing seasons to winning the West outright. You had a, a new innovative offense style with the Wildcat, with Darren McFadden getting the ball and, and all of that. It was, it was very creative. And Malzahn was getting all the credit for that. Houston Nutt hated it he hated it and so you saw the split it was never going to work it it was just doomed from the very start so let's play this game let's go back and say that when Houston had back-to-back years he himself said I got to change this I got to get I got my offense has been lacking my team is not where it's supposed to be I got some real good young talent here especially running back I need some help I need some help to make sure that we can get this offense the most out of it. And I need some help in recruiting some of these big-time players that are in my backyard. Like, we need a quarterback. We haven't had a quarterback in a long time. We need to get this kid to come to Arkansas and not let him out of the state. 
So let me hire Gus Malzahn, the next big thing. He'll help me with the offense. He'll bring in these players, and we can create this magical thing in Arkansas where we'll be the pioneers of this hurry-up, no-huddle offense with these phenomenal playmakers on offense to go along with it. It'll be great. So, Gus, come on over, man. Let's let's sit down. We'll, we'll knock some ideas back back and forth. We'll figure out what we got. I got a position for you. Everyone's on board with you. I'm going to give you the reins to the offense. I'm just here to supervise, and I ultimately get the final say, but I'm trusting you to get the keys to this offense, and we'll go from there. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. It'll be great. Imagine if that was the case. Imagine if that was the attitude that Houston Nutt had. Here's how I think how it all would have played out. They still have a phenomenal year. Arkansas does in 06. In fact, I'd even say that they even have a better year where they possibly even play for the national championship. I think if Mitch Mustaine was brought in the way he should have been, where you know he didn't really necessarily have to play him, you could have redshirted him, which I think he would have been fine with. In fact, I even know he said he would have been fine with it. If he brought him in that way, if you had the offense ran the correct way, it got everyone on board, no dissension in the coaching staff or anything like that, that team could have played for the national championship. So we'll, we'll go in the middle, all right? We'll say that, they, that Arkansas wins the SEC. They play for a national championship, but we'll just say they don't win it. Let's just look at it from that perspective. They don't win it. Okay, that's fine. Actually, you know what? I'm taking that back. Let's not even do that, because that, that, that's going to cause you to all yell at me. <laughs> Let's just say they win the SEC and they go to the Sugar Bowl, because that's where the automatic bid for cha- uh, the SEC champion went, Sugar Bowl. They go to the Sugar Bowl. They win the Sugar Bowl. They win 11 games. They finish the season 11-3. and three. That's what their record would have been. Everyone's happy. You just had a Heisman Trophy runner-up. It's all gravy. You know you have something to build on because, wow, you got all these great players coming back for another year. You're going to have a sophomore in Mitch Mustaine coming back, or a redshirt freshman even, where he's going to have, have a little more confidence under his belt. The team that was able to build on the offense that they put together. Uh, you, you have all these things that it seems like it's going to make sense in year two under, under Gus Malzahn. Uh, you're, you have the wide receiver, your best wide receiver, Marcus Monk, coming back. You got a good amount of your defense coming back. Your schedule lightens up a little bit because you don't have to play USC this year. I mean, it's perfect. And in 2007, it's your year where everything explodes even more. You follow that 11-win season up with another 11-12 win season. You win the SEC West once again. All is well. All is great, grand, wonderful. And in fact, since LSU was the team that won the national championship that year, you could have been the team that won the national championship that year. You were better than LSU. You were better than any team in the SEC. You had more talent than any team in the SEC. And you would have beaten Ohio State in the national championship game. You would have won the title. Think I'm crazy? Fine. Think I'm a homer? Fine. But if it all worked out and Gus Malzahn was in year two of his offense in that hurry-up-no-huddle with that talent, there's no stopping it. It would have just been another great year, banner year, insane great year. And it really would have taken off. The recruiting would have improved. The morale would have improved. The whole thing would have improved. 
until the point to where you know when Houston Nut decided to hang up the hang up the whistle, he could have been your athletic director. Maybe that's what would have transpired. Is you have Frank Burrell step down in two thousand and seven eight, I guess is what it was. Maybe you could have said Frank stay until two thousand and nine. Okay, so he stays till two thousand and nine. Houston Nut steps down as coach. Gus Malzahn's inserted as the head coach. Imagine what that would have been like. Imagine how things would be right now. And he'd still be coaching. Malzahn, because he's always talked about dream jobs and whatnot, which, again, I understand people don't trust that anymore. But still, imagine where it would be. What if Gus Malzahn and Houston Nutt just got along? What if everything just worked out according to plan for once? For once in Razorback football. What if it all worked out back then the way it was supposed to? Where you had the insane talent surrounding that team. What if it all would have worked out the way it was supposed to? I think there's no doubt, folks, that you'd have a national championship. You'd be one of the better programs in the SEC West. At least the competitive ones. Your overall health would be great as a program. The state of the program would be great. And who knows, people may have gotten tired of Malzahn after you know, 12 years, however long he would have still been here. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe he would have delivered a national title. Maybe two. I don't know. It's fun to think about. But I do know that if Houston Nutt and Gus Malzahn would have just worked it out, it could have been like if Shaq and Kobe would have worked it out after winning three national titles. There would have been no stopping it. There would have been no limit, no ceiling to the success that they could have had. But unfortunately, we'll never know. But that's why it's always fun to play the what-if game. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment here. I just want to uh, re- uh, real quick reiterate uh, that, uh, you know, here on, on the podcast, it's awesome and it's fun. But, you know, a lot of times I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear from all of you that listen to this podcast every single day because you're the ones that I appreciate the most. I appreciate anyone listening to my podcast, but for those of you who listen in on the daily, thank you. Like, seriously, thank you so much. But I want to hear from you. I want to know what you want to hear about. Some of you do that. Some of you reach out, and that's great. That's exactly what I want. But I also want to know, you know, things of that may be interesting you, things that I can interact with you on. Podcasting is great, and I can sit here and talk about whatever I want, however long I want. I, I can talk to myself, and that's fine. I've been doing it for a very long time. But I want to know more from you guys. So here's my challenge to all of you. First off, go to all of my social media accounts and follow me on Twitter, uh, I got a Facebook page, John Neighbors. I got uh, an Instagram page, Buzz John Neighbors. I even got a freaking TikTok. I don't, don't ask me why, but I do. But my point is, is go to these things. Go to these social media platforms and hit me up on anything you, you want to hear. You can DM me. You can tweet at me, whatever. Just hit me up. Because again, I will keep coming up with content. I'm not doing this because I'm short of content. I'm never short of talking. Like I can do anything when it comes to talking. I can make stuff up. I am amazing at BSing. It's just what I do. But I want to hear from you. So if there's any topic, if there's any conversation, if there's any discussion, whatever, hot debate, hit me up with it. I want to know about it. I want to know what you want to hear 
And the best way to do it is on social media. So go and follow me on my social media accounts. Hit me up on that. And we'll make it happen. We'll make some magic. It's a lot of fun, and I want you to get involved a lot more. That is for sure. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast today. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. And also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.